our pet nation. It's Dr. T here. And welcome to Your Pet Matters, the Collaborative Vet podcast and YouTube channel. And I am stoked because I have, I believe it or not, I can read. Um, and I've actually got the author of this book here. And the beauty for me personally is this person is local to where I am. I know her husband um, and I'm getting to know her and I got to know her by reading the book. This book is phenomenal for anyone. Anyone needs to read this. It's called Sit, Stay, Heal, What Dogs Can Teach Us About Living Well. And I am so honored to have the author, Dr. Renee Alsraf. She's a veterinary oncologist on the show. So Renee, thanks so much for being on the show. It's great having you here. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And, and what I what I like to do with my guests initially on on the first part of the show is we, we do what we call the origin story. So what got you into veterinary medicine? And then what sort of life changes, choices, events happened that led you to become an oncologist? So I have wanted to be a veterinarian since the age of seven, and I have never wavered. And I remember my dad wanted me to go to medical school and people would say, oh, it's so much harder to get into vet school or you can make more money as a human physician and just have a bunch of animals. And it never deterred me one bit. Like I just knew it was my calling. And then uh, my father also happens to be a, a human medical oncologist. So that might be the slant for oncology. But when I was a oh my goodness, a sophomore veterinary student going into junior year um, on the bulletin board, right? Back when there wasn't the internet, (laughs) you found out about life through, you know, a piece of paper and a tack. Um, I was in Michigan and there was an application for the Animal Medical Center in New York City for summer externs. And I applied to oncology. Maybe they didn't have a lot of competition because I did get that position. And so I didn't look back. I packed my bag for the summer. I was there for six weeks and it it changed the trajectory of my life. I didn't realize that there were really viable veterinary specialties out there, you know, short of at a university and a teaching hospital. Um, and I knew that I absolutely loved the the study of or the treatment of cancer in animals. Um, from there, I after I graduated, I did uh, do an internship at the Animal Medical Center, and I matched there as well for a medical oncology residency. Wow. And so can I ask you, did you get in on your first try to vet school? I did. Yes. Yeah. And at the time, I think they still do this. Michigan State had like you could do undergrad kind of in an accelerated three year program. And I decided to do that thinking, you know, because so many people take two or three or even four tries to get in. I thought, well, this way, if I don't get in, I can stay another year and get a teaching certificate and be like a high school biology teacher. Um, but I was I was really fortunate um, to have gotten in. That is awesome. No, and so I, you're you're underplaying your capabilities here. I apologize. My my dog bar. I think the doorbell rings. My, my dog. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's okay. We're, yeah, we're, which is all. I can't tell you how many times this happens on the show, but that's real life, people. That's real <laughs> yeah. life. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, any big any big 
events in vet school. So you said, you said one of the life-changing things was applying for that externship, right? But was there anything in vet school like that you could give as an advice? Chilchi as an advice to a young vet student that would help them? Because, you know, as you know, vet, vet school can be very difficult. And, you know, we get in there on first year, we're yay. And the second yes. year is like, oh, third year is like, <laughs> right? It's things like that. So any advice you could give a young veterinary student that would help them? Um, you know, I think the most valuable lesson I learned was when I was a senior uh, veterinary student, right? So we're in clinics and I was with this very senior clinician, you know, shadowing him and going in and out on cases. And there was one case, I don't remember the the details of the case, but it was very sad. And the family was crying. And I noticed, you know, the gentleman just had his arms straight down by, you know, his white lab coat. And I think I probably got a little misty. I know I didn't outright cry, but, you know, it was it was a sad moment. And the family left and the clinician and I went in the back and he said, he pulled me aside. He's like, you know, don't worry, don't worry, Renee. Uh, you know, after you, you know, you go through a few of these after a couple of years, you'll harden up and it won't affect you. You'll be fine. And I thought that's the exact opposite thing I ever want to do. Right. Like I want to feel all my feelings, feel sorry sometimes for my husband. haha. But I want to, <laughs> I want, if, if it ever becomes that I'm not feeling those feelings for that family or that pet, that's when I want to stop and hang up my lab coat. Um, so, it, you know, we it, shouldn't. Go ahead. We shouldn't be stoic, right? We shouldn't yeah. be be machines. We should be living, breathing, feeling beings. Because, you know, you're going to have good outcomes and you're going to have bad outcomes, but. That advice for that vet student is what that family will remember is that we cared and we tried. And it's interesting because in the book, I, I realized at what the first case, Daisy, Mrs. Johnson, yes. you yeah. hugged her. And I, yes. so you are a hugger because after that one instance, I see hug, 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 hug. And that's phenomenal. And it, it, what, what it, what it led to me was a, a sense of like, and we'll get to this because I want to talk about your team is that there's this, there's this journey you go through, not only with the patient, but equally as important with the pet parent. And I think that's phenomenal. And, and I understand you start, you started the support group, right? For bereavement way Correct. back before support groups actually existed. Correct. Yes. Actually, I was a senior in veterinary school and I saw all of these families just grieving and there was nowhere to go with their grief. And at the time, even it wasn't even socially acceptable to talk so much about it unless right with another fellow dog or cat lover. Um, and I did, I was able to get a, a large amount of donations so that it could continue on even after I left. And I'm sure now it just has its own, you know, life of its own, but it was, it was good. See, see, you do things like this, and I started a Scotch Appreciation Club. <laughs> like this totally different thing. <laughs> it's probably still going on too, but uh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> but that that's phenomenal. Um, and and in the book, you because I'm talking about you. So in the book, you talked about the the mind over matter thing, and and uh, you know, there's a lot of things about manifestation now and how to manifest things, and so. Is that something that you draw upon on an, on an everyday basis and especially through your through your cancer diagnosis and everything like that? Uh, 
hundred percent. You know, I mean, I realized to many people, they probably thought she's lost her marbles, but I was convinced that I could will away the side effects. Um, I was convinced that I, you know, people said, oh my gosh, were you scared going through it? Were you this or you that? I was in a battle and, and I was hoping to win all the battles, but ultimately I was determined to win the war. Um, and you'll think I'm crazy, but I, I sort of feel like I manifested my book as well. And that book is Sit, Stay, Heal, What Dogs Can Teach Us About Living Well. We'll be back with more from the wonderful Dr. Renee Alsraf after these messages. Stay tuned. 